Tom, we were talking about today, and I was pretty sure he had something to share, and I'm for sure and certain that was a word in season for somebody here today, for all of us, but for somebody specifically. Thank you. Merry Christmas, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to our family room. Family rooms are where Christmas takes place, isn't it? It's where we celebrate. It's where, we, it's where the best times are. We do church times, and we polish things up, and we shine things up, and we practice for weeks on end to do Christmas at the Rock, which the practices actually are a lot of fun, but there's a lot of work to go the outside Christmas stuff, even our outside of our homes. We hang our Christmas lights out, and it's a lot of work. I don't know what that's like, but I see people do it at my house. <laughs> my wife hangs Christmas lights, and she's at it for, I mean, doing stuff for Christmas to make our house look festive. Um, but the family room, the inside, the, the, the in here part, this is, this is where we celebrate Christmas and what Christmas means. There's, a, there's this, you know how uh, society, there's a lot of things in society that are rooted in truth, but they're just a little off. Anybody familiar? There's, there's all, I mean, it's all across the board. With Christmas, I think about it. I was listening to some, a handful of people this last week talk about Christmas and the Christmas season. And they were, talk, they were trying, these are believers, the people know Jesus, and they're trying, to, they're trying to really hammer what Christmas is all about. What's the reason for the season? And in, in our day and age, the most conservative voices you'll hear will say Christmas is about family. It's about being together. It's about, I mean, that's like, the, that's the conservative side. The other side is like, well, it's about gifts, it's about presents, it's about shiny things, it's about, and, and it's close. It's close. I listened to this to this week, and I'm like, it's close. It is about togetherness, but it ain't just about us being together as humans. It's about God's desire to be with us. Trey touched on it. Thank you to Trey. He's not here this morning, but thank you for sharing last week. He touched on a few things that we're going to uh, look into. We're not going to, this isn't a long Sunday. This is Christmas Eve. I know everybody's got Christmases to go to. Some of you had to take off already, and that's fine. If we get to a point this morning while I'm preaching, or even when we're singing later and you got to go, you are free to go. There's zero pressure on you. But he touched on uh, Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 is a prophecy regarding Jesus' birth. And Emmanuel just simply means, it's one of my favorite words. It says, in that day it shall come to pass that the glory of Jacob will, oh, let's see, Isaiah 7, Isaiah seven fourteen. I gave you the, I wrote it. My handwriting is exquisite, church. I mean, it is, it is second. I thought about going into the medical field, but it's that good. Uh, let's get Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. It just talks about uh, the prophecy concerning Emmanuel, which is described or defined as God with us. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel, people know Emmanuel. That's one of the names of God. It's one of the names of Jesus, but it actually means, it means God with us. Jesus, this, this fulfilled, when Jesus came, a fulfilled prophecy. Jesus said he was going to send a helper and thereby fulfill another prophecy that God said he would never leave us nor forsake us. I uh, listened to a few things this past week, and it was funny because the Lord was touch adding little things to this. And one of them was, we have to stop trying to understand how things work and enjoy how they are. 
I don't necessarily understand. You can sit here and the analyst can say, how can God be with all of us? I don't know. I'm okay not knowing. I don't have to understand. Somehow it's part of him being God and my lack of understanding it is part of me being human. But he's promised to never leave us nor forsake us. The, the way that started was Jesus coming to earth. So solitary confinement is the most certain way to make someone lose their mind. If you commit some terrible, terrible thing next to the death penalty, and some would argue it's worse, is an unending sentence of solitary confinement where you have no human interaction at all. You lose track of time. You lose track of uh, how to speak. You lose track of how to listen. Lose track of how to think. Solitary confinement where you see nothing, you experience nothing, you are in relationship with no one. It is the most certain way to make someone lose their mind. From the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, from then on, history has proven that humans don't handle aloneness very well. Like, we've talked about this. That was kind of the setup to Eve's believing the, the serpent. If Adam had been right there with her, I don't think the serpent would have come to her. But the serpent comes to Eve while she's by herself. Because we make great decisions when we're by ourselves, don't we? We, we need each other. As humans, we need each other. This is, we're created in the image of God and we need fellowship with each other. It's what helps keep, like, that's how we know, okay, everything's, we're all, everybody's okay? Yep, I can hear someone else's voice. Everything's okay. We need each other to, make, to help us make decisions, to keep us from wandering into crazyville, to keep ourselves centered. We need somebody. You ever have that one person that you spend time with them, the edges of everything just soften a little bit? The emergencies of life, they just seem less urgent, and they're able to talk you into another day of trying. Like you're, maybe you're ready to give up. You're, you've had it. You're done. You just, so uh, Tom is one of those people in my life, and this past week, we got together to go over some songs, and I did not have time. I'll just tell you, I did not have time. He had other stuff going he doesn't have time to be here this morning. That's another story. He's got other stuff going on. We have, well, there's always stuff going on. We came, we took an hour and a half out of our busy, busy day. And you know, at the end of that, I was ready to tie into this life again. I was exhausted. I was stressed. I was, we got so much going on. But there's people that when they come alongside of us, when they are with us, we're able to Everything softens. It can be, the world can be super bleak and you can spend an hour with that person and everything softens. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve took steps that alienated mankind from our Father God. They chose to participate in the curse of sin, never realizing it came with the curse of aloneness. Separation. Separation is not good for humanity. Separation from each other is not good for humanity. And separation from our Father God is far worse. Humans have always struggled as a side note, but we've always struggled to play the long game. And all the short side in this was Eve's biggest mistake. <laughs> she sat there and wasn't able to see beyond the next moment. It's like, we should probably eat the fruit. Said we'd be like the most high God. If she had thought a little bit longer, so you know what? I got an appointment to meet with the Lord in the cool of the day in like an hour. I'm going to run this by him and then... 
whatever he says, we'll go with that. A little bit of further thinking, but it's like, well, I don't know, the fruit's right here. And the serpent, he says it's fine. That short-sightedness has always led up to our failure. But where we fall into short-sightedness, our Father has always been playing the long game. Ever since that time, our Father God in his patient, loving kindness has been pursuing what I call Operation Emmanuel, Operation God with us. God was determined to make a way for his precious creation to be restored unto himself. That way, the way that he was pursuing culminated in our eternal God taking on flesh and blood, the infinite taking on the characteristics of the finite for our behalf. The Bible talks a lot about the frailty of man. What is man? Like, we're not here long. We're a breath. We're a vapor in the early morning fog is all our time is. And yet, Father God looked at that and he said, I desperately want a relationship with them. So he set a plan in motion. Jesus coming to earth And what the Apostle Paul called the fullness of time is the ultimate act of God's pursuit of relationship with humanity. And I want to add to that. It's the ultimate act in God's pursuit of relationship with you. Personally. He knows your name. He knows something that we have not a huge value for. He knows the number of hairs on your head. That's how detailed his interest is in you. Jesus coming, that little town of Bethlehem, this set in motion events that would lead to Jesus exchanging his perfect, right, legal standing with the Father for our sinful, unrighteous condition. He said, I've got this standing. I'm going to give it to them. What's our part? Our part's to believe. Our part's to believe him. You know, this is our family room, Revelation Rock. This is where we spend time together as a family. It's where we celebrate Christmas and Grant Fraley uh, preached a message a few weeks ago, and then he just, it was just a moment. He wasn't on it real long, but I, I want to give him credit for saying this, but he said, we need to get out of the courtroom with the Father. It's a paraphrase. I didn't write, it, write down exactly what he said, but we have to get out of this, this courtroom relationship with the Father, and we need to get to the family room. We spend so much time trying to figure out, like, well, how does this work? How can God be with us all at the same time? I'm not sure if I have right legal standing anymore because I was, I did have legal standing with the Father. I was right with him because I believed in him, and then I quit doing the bad things, and then I started doing some more bad things again. I'm not sure where I fit with that. Am I legally right with the Father? Boy, I don't know because things don't look quite right around. We need to go to the family room. We need to get out of the courtroom. The case was closed Jesus was ruled unrighteous on our behalf so that we could be ruled righteous. So when the gavel came down, it was in your favor. Out of the courtroom, into the family room. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, 
reads this. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son to be born of a woman born under the law to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive what? The adoption as sons. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son. Thank you, Jesus. Into your hearts, crying out, Abba or Papa, Father. Therefore, you're no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through Christ Jesus. We've got an invitation, and this morning, I invite you to consider, if you're here today and you've walked with Jesus for 75 years, that's awesome. I want you to consider this today. If you're here today, and this is the first time you've ever heard this, I want you to consider what it would be like to be legally right before the Father. To go from a slave whose relationship with a slave owner is about doing things. You think about that. We just read this. Galatians chapter 4, it talks about, uh, let's see, to redeem those who are under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Papa. It's a familiar, familiar word. Papa, Daddy, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. We were slaves. We did interact with God. We did, all of our interactions with the Father were based on doing That's what a slave does. You understand that? A slave's only relationship with their owner or their slaveholder is about what they do, doing the thing. Did you do the thing? Whatever the thing is, it was your job to do, did you do it? How many of us as believers today, even even if we walk with the Lord for years, we find ourselves back in that, did I do it? I don't know if I did it. I better not go to the master's house. I better not go to the master's house unless I've done the work. Anybody else been there? I shouldn't go to the master's house because I don't know if I've done the work. I know I didn't do it some of the time. I better get back to work. And he's, Paul's laying out for the Galatians here, no, no, you come to dad. You know, my kids, I give them instructions all the time and they listen like 30% of the time. But you know what they don't have, ever have a problem with? We had Christmas at my mother-in-law's yesterday and my youngest comes up to me. He hadn't been hanging out with me at all. But you know what he saw? I had a plate of pie. It's like, I'm coming for the pie, Dad. He comes, and he's like trying to climb up on my lap. And I'm like, I see how this is going to go. He climbs up, eats my pie, and he's done. <laughs> he's no problem. It wasn't like, he didn't even eat his vegetables. He didn't do the work that I had told him. Son, I would really like you to eat your vegetables. It's like, I really want your pie. And he came wa- walking right over. No problem. He understood that I was his papa. It's like, Dad, I'm going to come and sit on your lap. And his thought wasn't, oh, you know what? I better not come for the pie because I haven't eaten the vegetables. He's really good at being my son. He's really good at it. He's like, I'm going to come to dad. I'm going to climb on dad's lap. I'm going to polish that pie off. And then I'm going to go find, maybe grandma's got pie. (laughs) But as, as children of the most high God, this is before us. Like I said, if you've never considered your standing with the Father, I invite you to this morning. And if you've been considering it for your whole life, I invite you to this morning consider what it means to cry out, Abba, Father. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6. I told you it was going to be short. We're going to do our best to be short today. A couple more things I want to look at. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21 reads, Therefore, from now on, we're not going to read, I I hate to read therefores without seeing what they're there for. 
We're going to come back to a different point, but we're going to start right here because there's some stuff later on I want to get to. From now on, we regard no one. We consider no one. We engage with no one according to the flesh. Ouch. Well, I mean, obviously, Paul wasn't writing for the church today, though we would still probably should interact with each other based on the... Anyways, we regard to no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet we now know him no longer that way. Thus, no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That's a complete thought right there. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed, past tense, away. Behold, stop and look. Remember what behold means? It's like stop. Pause with everything going on in your world and look. Stop and look. All things have become new. Old things have passed away. Stop. And look, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he knew him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You know, in the Galatians passage that we read, it starts out in the very beginning of verse four, it says, when the fullness of of time had come. That word, that word fullness, Jerry did a teaching a long, long time ago about that word, but we're not gonna redo all of that, but that word fullness, we, we sometimes read it and it's like we kind of skip over. It's like, oh yeah, when the time had come. Anybody, just, it's like, if you're reading this at home and you're just you know, reading your Bible, drinking coffee in the morning, and it's like, oh, when the fullness of time had come. When the time had come. That, was how, that would be the American short version of that, when the time had come. But that word fullness is a neat word because God doesn't rush into anything. He's, never, he's not in a hurry. He's not hurried today. You might flip on the news and be like, Lord, you better hurry. He's not in a hurry. He's patient. He's calm. He's walking. And when the fullness of time had come, that word fullness, it's the picture, the best way I could paint a picture, and I almost brought one, but then I thought that's going to end poorly, is a water balloon that's just about to burst. It's like, don't even look at it funny. It's going to pop. I mean, the, you ever have those water balloons get a little bit too full, and when you go back to throw them, they pop in your hand? Like, it's just like so full. That's the picture of the fullness of time. Time couldn't get any more full than it was in that moment. There had been prophecies spoken, and get this, prophecies believed. And that time balloon had filled up to the point that there was no more, could, it was so full, it was pregnant with anticipation. It was ready to pop in the fullness of time. God took his time and he laid out a plan to redeem us. This is the way I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it so there's no legal case. Nothing can be brought against my people again. I'm going to put doubt to death. 
nothing will be able to be brought against them again. Somebody's got to be guilty. It's going to be Jesus. I'll go. Jesus said, I'll go. I'll go for them. But you're going to take on flesh and blood. You're going to be stuck that way. I know. But I get to be with them. They get to be with me. This morning I invite you to consider the lengths that God has went in order to redeem you. Tom, you want to come up and play some guitar? I want you to consider the lengths that your father has went to to restore the opportunity for relationship for you. We take this so flippantly today. Sometimes it's like, well, it's like, yeah, just believe in Jesus, move on. Happy-go-lucky, it's like, whatever. Like, just do whatever, because it's okay. That's not the point. The point, this gospel is so big, it will pull you out of wherever you're at. It's greater than whatever wrong decision that you've made or that you will make, for sure. But the lengths that the Father went to to redeem us, we can't even fathom them. He said, I'm going to become infinite. I'm going to be infinite and I'll become finite for them. I'm going to become killable. What? And then I'm going to die for them. I'm going to take all of their sin and I'm going to give them my righteousness for free. When we understand the weight of this, it's not a negative weight, it's a positive weight. To be loved that much, I invite you to think about that this morning. That's what Christmas is all about. Christmas ain't about gifts. It's about the Son of God coming to earth to restore relationship with his beloved creation. This is the first time you've heard this message and had it click in your heart. Or if this is the thousandth time you've heard this. I would like to present that God's desire to be with you is alive and well today. You know, walking with Jesus, I've learned, is more about being reminded than it is about learning new things. There's so many things that, that hit me right between the eyes that have a massive impact on my life and I realize it's just a reminder. I've heard it before. I want to remind you today that God's desire is to be with you. To be God with us. In your families. In the difficulties. In the great times. We, a lot of times we remember when things are terrible. But I invite you this Christmas season, be aware of him. Be aware of his presence with you. His desire to dwell with you in the great times. In church, his presence changes everything. I invite you to allow your mind to settle and your heart to dwell on the reality that you are never alone. Because Emmanuel has come. 
God with us is our reality today. And this reality is the greatest reality in human history. This reality is what allows humans to pass from death into life. This is the reality that removes the sting of death. This is the reality that gives us the hope of eternity and what allows us to engage our world tomorrow to walk boldly into the rest of our lives. Emmanuel, God with us. We're going to sing a couple more songs. I invite you to join us. If you've got to run to Christmas or family get-togethers, know that you're blessed. We're going to sing a couple more songs and then we'll be done.